Dylan, I owe you an apology right off the bat today. I record these episodes uh, live every Sunday, and I try to get them done by mid-afternoon and get them out and, and all you know available to you. But today I'm, I'm late. It's, it's late on Sunday, and it was definitely not my intent. Um, I had a good friend who lost her husband during the night last night, and it was very unexpected and was not uh, not a covert narcissistic marriage. This was a healthy marriage. And so my friend has been uh, pretty emotional today, and I've been doing what I can to support this friend. So I apologize for being uh, being behind schedule a little bit. It's definitely not my intent. So uh, with that said, let's get started today. I get asked frequently, how do I heal from this? How do I ever get over it? How do you move forward? Will I ever trust again? Can I have a healthy relationship ever? These are excellent questions and they go through the minds of many victims of covert narcissistic abuse. The journey is torturously painful and it can seem completely unending. It feels like it will simply last forever. Not only is there no end in sight, there isn't even a simple path going forward. You just don't know what to do. If I do this, or if I do that, or if I go this way, or if I go that way, nothing feels right and nothing will work. The despair inside the victim of covert narcissism is real. It is deep, overwhelming, and suffocating. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. And I sure am sorry that you are on this journey with, with me. I, I hate it for anyone who understands. But if you hear this, nothing else, hear this. It does get better. There is life after narcissism. You can and will heal. You will trust again. You will love life again. You will get through this and you will be stronger for it. I want to take just a moment and make sure you, you are aware of two resources that are immediately available to you. One is my Facebook group, Covert Narcissism Group. Just search that in Facebook. It's a closed group that's for victims of covert narcissism. Jump in there, join. If you have any difficulties joining, please reach out to me. I'm always available. My email address is renee at covertnarcissism.com. Renee is spelled R-E-N-E-E. -E. The other resource that is immediately available to you is through Patreon. Patreon is a, is a membership site. I, I keep the cost way, way, way down. It is a small, small cost. And it's uh, www.patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash covert narcissism. In this Patreon, we are doing tidbits of revelations, which these are semi-weekly release uh, of points to ponder as you're going through this journey. Food for thought, focused on awareness, coming out of the fog, explanations of what is happening, ways to move forward, healing, and finding you again. Now let's get back to this podcast. The day that your eyes first saw this abuse was life-changing. That moment of realization that reality is not what you thought, that maybe just maybe this isn't actually your fault. That first hint of realization. And this is commonly followed quickly by glimpses of realization that you also cannot fix this. These glimpses come in and out of awareness in the beginning stages of, of recognition, of awakening, whatever you want to call it. And they're just glimpses where you maybe you're starting to see the truth. But once you start seeing it, you can't 
unsee it. Once you start knowing it, you can't unknow it. It's like you pass through a door and that door locked behind you. You simply cannot go back through that door. And this is where a lot of victims get stuck. You see, inside that door behind you, that was familiar territory. And here's what it looked like. You worked hard to make everything right and perfect. You scrambled daily to keep peace and to keep everyone happy. You accepted the blame for everything and took it upon yourself to fix everything. You tap danced around everyone else's feelings, needs, and desires. But this is what you were used to. Your entire life was probably like this and you know no other way. But now you've stepped through this door. No idea what's on the other side. And you can't go back. It is terrifying and overwhelming, leaving you frozen in fear and uncertainty. What do you do? How do you move forward from this door? I want to give you some tools in the next few episodes. We're going to do this through a few episodes. Tools that will help you on this journey. Tools for healing and moving forward. As a victim of covert narcissism, your mind is running a million miles per hour. We've talked about this before. Uh, There's a few episodes that leap to mind. And if you miss them, please go back and listen to them. Uh, One is called A Grenade Inside a Tank. Another is called Signs of Abuse Inside the Victim of a Covert Narcissist. Another is called Just Hard to Relax, Living in a Courtroom with a Covert Narcissist. All of these talking about the mind and how your mind is running just in overdrive as a victim of covert narcissism. Your mind is constantly defending yourself because you are constantly under attack. Every thought you have, every word you say, every action you do is subject to scrutiny. So your guard is always up. One of the best tools I have ever found for getting the mind to actually start to relax is to record the things in your life that have happened with this abuser. Write them down. It really is truly that simple. Talk them into a device that will write them down for you if that's the way you want to do it. That's the way I ended up doing it. The purpose of this step is to record things that your mind is playing over and over. And we're going to talk about this in great detail today. The things that you are internally still defending yourself for. You see, in victims of covert narcissism, self-doubt runs incredibly high. Am I the problem? Is this my fault? Could I have done something differently? What if I had done this or what if I had done that? In a desperate attempt to answer these questions, the mind replays all of these memories with the abuser. Oh, was this my fault? No, it wasn't. How was it not my fault? And we replay it over and over. All the things they did and said over the years, all the things we did and said over the years. This constant activity and constant doubt greatly interferes with healing and actually keeps you trapped in that cycle of abuse, even if you are out of the relationship. You can be out of the relationship and your mind still be living in this cycle of abuse because you're still defending yourself inside your own head to this abuser who's no longer even in your life. When you relive a memory, or a feeling that you had, you feel clearer in your mind as to why you were hurt and how this isn't your fault. 
And I'm going to give you an example here in just a minute, but let me go on and explain this. So you have this memory of something that happened, but when you go through that memory and you identify the, the feelings that you had in it, you start to recognize, okay, no, that wasn't my fault. This is why I felt hurt, or this is why I was upset. And so you feel more justified in your choices. Well, when these moments of self-doubt come in, and they will, you have to go back through all these memories to return to those feelings of clarity. Those moments of when, no, wait, this is why I felt this way. And you, and you replay that memory in your mind. And this is why your mind won't let go of them. It's a form of self-protection. So this is where it becomes so valuable to record these. Put them down on paper or in your computer. Now, this is not really journaling. A lot of people think of journaling, and, and there's a lot of people who go, I can't journal. I can't do that. Well, we're not analyzing things here. We're not dissecting them and taking them apart or evaluating them. Journaling sometimes can become a little bit more about evaluating how you feel or evaluating what you want to do. It's not any of that. This is simply recording events. Like you're just taking record in a, in a courtroom. You're just writing down the events of what happened. Write what happened, period. You definitely can add thoughts and feelings you had that's a part of what happened, but don't spend time analyzing or dissecting any of this. This is not the purpose of figuring, you know, figuring something out. It's not for the purpose of coming to any conclusions. It's not any of that. The goal here is simply to take the pressure off of your mind. You might think of it like this. Let's say you have a really busy schedule, but you don't use a calendar. So you have a lot of things to do. You have a lot of places to be. You have a lot of responsibilities of things you need to get done. And you're trying to remember everything and not forget to do this or to do that. And your list of responsibilities is running nonstop through your mind. And you're terrified that you'll forget something important. So you just, you're working extra hard to remember everything that's on your to-do list or your schedule. Well, this is how your mind operates while you're with a covert narcissist. It is in constant overdrive, trying not to forget anything important, trying to hang on to, number one, all the things you need to do to try to keep him happy, but number two, all the things you got to remember happen so you can justify your own feelings. Well, when you buy a calendar or you get a calendar app and you start entering all these important events and responsibilities into that calendar, all of a sudden, your mind can quit trying so hard to remember them for you. Your mind will let go of that part and it can relax and you'll find that you actually have more space for other things. You can now focus more on the current task because you're not using so much mental space for remembering. Again, the same thing happens. When you're with that covert narcissist and, and you or, or after the relationship, either way, and you start to record all the things that are happening, your mind will quit trying so hard to remember them. And one by one, with each one that you write down, a little more mental space will open up for you. It's, it's an amazing transformation, and it's so incredibly simple. I started this process while I was still married. I had already started working with a therapist. 
And and I had started to identify that potentially I'm dealing here with narcissism. And then the when when I ran into covert narcissism, I the bells all went off. Ding 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 ding. This is what's going on. So I started recording things. I just started writing them down. And all of a sudden, my mind quit working so hard. I simply now had more mental space for going forward. People ask me all the time, how do I go forward? How do I move forward from this? You have to have more mental space and more mental energy. You can't make more mental energy. And so you need to change how your mind is using its energy. And and I want to help you get started with this. So here's your assignment. Bring to mind one event. One, one single event that occurred with the covert narcissist in your life. What is the first one that pops into your mind? Whatever that first one is, that's where you start. Write it down. And write it down like you're just telling a story. What happened? Where were you? Who were you with? Plain and simple. Matter of fact, this happened. And if you want to add, you know, how did it make you feel? That's fine. Because your feelings of the your feelings at the time, those are events too. You know, your feelings are part of your memory. So you can put that, but don't analyze it. Just write it down. I'm going to give you a personal example from my life. So Christmas Eve, this was, you know, my boys were young teenagers. And it was Christmas Eve. It was in the afternoon. And the boys were, were wrapping gifts for their dad. Now, he had been upstairs. Um, he, you know, he gamed, he gamed so much and watched movies, you know, so much. He was pretty isolated the large majority of the time, but he was upstairs and, and he had started to come out to come down. And and it was right when the boys were wrapping these gifts. And so I had asked him, Hey, can you stay upstairs for just a little bit longer and let us, um, let us get these gifts wrapped. And like I said, of course, he spent most of his time away from the family anyways, but, but that wasn't the point right this moment. So he went back into the room, our bedroom, and the boys wrapped the gifts. Well, they got done and they had a couple rolls of empty, you know, the empty wrapping paper. He had those, those rolls and they started sword fighting with these rolls, you know, and of course they did. They're young, young teenage boys. And so of course they did. So I yelled upstairs, Hey hun, we're done now. You can come down whenever you want. Well, he never answered me, which is quite common, you know, and I've talked about this before, that silent treatment that they give you. And I mean, when they just simply don't answer your questions or don't respond to your, you know, comments to them, that's a control mechanism because he doesn't answer when I call up to him. And then if I repeat myself and say, hey, I I said you can come down when I was going to get mad at me and go, I heard you the first time. And I've I've heard that a thousand times. And if I just move on and with my life and assume that he heard me, well, then it also, (coughs) excuse me, it also gives him justification to be mad at me and say, well, I didn't hear you. So I yelled up, "Uh, hey, hon, we're done. Come down whenever you want. And I actually started playing with the boys too, you know, with their empty uh, Christmas wrapping rolls. Well, of course, he was mad. About 10 minutes later or so, he came out and he's standing at the top of the steps and he just very abruptly says, I can see that you aren't wrapping my gifts anymore. You just don't want me included in your play. And he storms back into the bedroom. Well, I go up and I try to talk to him because again, I'm, I'm just trying to keep peace in my home. 
And he was quite mad. And he told me how much it hurts his feelings that we don't include him. This after years of him isolating from us. You know, whether he heard me or not actually has nothing to do with him coming out and joining us or not. He could just as easily have heard me and chosen to stay in his games and his movie, which he did all the time. But this time, he actually had an, an excuse for why it was our fault, and thus he could be mad at us. He could actually say, you know, well, you didn't make sure that I heard you. And I could, you know, in my mind, I can kind of accept that blame shifting. It's just enough truth for me to go, well, you're right. I probably should have come up and made sure that you knew. And and so I I carried this one. I carried this one for years. And, and victims do this. We carry it because they twist it just enough for us to accept all the blame and all the guilt. Maybe I should have gone upstairs and made sure he knew. You know, maybe it was my fault that he didn't have a good relationship with his boys. You know, maybe I should have worked harder at it. No, no, this is not true. And this was one of those examples. In any other relationship, that person who was upstairs would come out assuming that we were now done with the gift wrapping because we're now sword fighting in the living room. And they would either choose to join us or not. They might even ask, hey, is it okay for me to come back out now? And then I could easily respond, yeah, I yelled up, but you must not have heard me. You know, sorry about that, but yeah, you can come out now. And it would be a nothing. They would choose to join in the fun or they would enjoy watching or they would go back to whatever they were doing, whatever. But it would be a nothing. It would not be a 30-minute conversation, a two-hour conversation, whatever, about how much I had hurt his feelings. The day that I wrote this one down, I will never forget that day. It was so freeing for me. My mind had been holding on to this for so long. And now I could finally let it go. I no longer had to remember this event just, just in order to justify how he had made me feel. I no longer had to hold on to it to prove or to validate to myself, no, this was not okay. I knew I could always go back and read it if I needed to, but I didn't have to spend the mental energy holding on to it anymore. Please use this tool of recording. It is incredibly beneficial to your mind and your mental energy. I promise you it works. It will help you to finally be able to relax your mind one by one as you write these things down. They don't have to be in order. They don't have to be uh, they don't have to be in any kind of, you know, like chronological order or order of importance or whatever. Anything doesn't matter. Just start writing them down. Your mind one by one will start letting go of them. This is such a simple tool, but such an effective tool. I'm going to follow this episode with one that's about cloaking and cocooning. Two more awesome tools for healing from covert narcissistic abuse. And I cannot wait to share them with you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started... 
Download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.